Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, our specialist place and environments teams work globally with architects, developers, cities, corporations, and governments, delivering successful human-centered solutions across place visioning, property branding, and strategic wayfinding and signage. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to the eighth episode of Design Your Life Architect Series from Lego to Skyscrapers. Today I catch up with Melissa Bright, founding director of the Melbourne-based architecture practice, Studio Bright. Melissa and her team are currently working on a number of city-making projects across a variety of scales and types, including civic, educational, and multi-residential projects. Listen in as we talk about why designing with optimism is an essential part of her design process and why she believes that every space has the opportunity to leave a lasting impact on our future cities and our well-being. Hey Mel, thanks for being on Design Your Life. How are you doing? Hi Vince, I'm good. How are you going? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. You're in Melbourne, I'm in Sydney, um, but um, we haven't seen each other for a while. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was either when I came down to see you in your Melbourne studio or maybe when you came to Sydney and came in our Sydney studio, I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. It was quite a while ago. It really was. And um, I hear that um, it was really cool because I heard from Kat that you guys met up last week at the Loftus Lane uh, opening. That's right. She was going to um, take my team and I dancing. And oh. in the end, we, we didn't we didn't have the stamina. And I think one of my team needed to go home as well. But um she was she was fantastic. Yeah, uh, she's a big dancer. Um, we're 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 due for a dancing <laughs> date for sure next time, Vince. So well, yeah, thing, things really. are opening up again, thank God. Um, you know, for us in Australia, but other countries are still struggling. But it's good to see that project near completion, which is cool. We met we met a few years ago prior to that when you just started out on the the Loftus Lane project, and and I know we talked about your company was a different name at that stage, right? It was. Um, it was Make. Make, yeah. yeah, exactly, Make. And then yeah. Yeah. There, there was this issue where that London company of a similar name came in, came into the market. And uh, I remember we talked about that and, uh, you know, as a, as a bit of a yeah. dilemma. But you, you managed that well. I think you went the right route by changing it to Bright Studio. Studio Bright. Studio yeah. Bright. Well, yeah. Well, you know, as I said, Vince, I, uh, I, I, I thank you for motivating me for um for, for fixing that up and it was a great outcome I think in the end so really really pleased about it and almost can't imagine being called anything else now well it's such a great name isn't it bright <laughs> that's like smart <laughs> I, well I said to, I actually said to William smart that we should do a project together because then we'd be smart and bright and you know that, that's just like how could you resist I know it's like it, it's gonna be a, it's, it's, what did he say did he did he agree to it he did. I think he agreed. Yeah, but yeah. It hasn't happened yet. But you know, it's, there's plenty of plenty of time. And yeah. I actually apologised, Vince, for um, how naff my last name was to the to the um, agency we worked with. So oh, really, I'm, 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 yeah. So it's nice that you see it positively. Oh, it's fantastic. 
even though I go the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's, that, that's, that, we had to put it the other way because otherwise it's like, you know, right studio. And yeah. So we, uh, you know, anyway, that was, hopefully yeah. that's all right. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that people for a long time, well, for in the old days, they used to, people used to name them their businesses after themselves and uh, sometimes their full name, sometimes their last name. But, you know, with, with my name, Frost, it's been great because it, it has two meanings. It's my last name and it has it's a, it means something as well. So you kind of get away with it when it has a double a double meaning or double use or whatever you want to call it. So um, yeah, I thought that's I thought the same thing, and and you, you know, Frost is such a great um, name, isn't it as well? So yeah, yeah, it's uh, they keep they keep people keep saying advisors say never put your name on the door because it's um it's restrictive, but um, I I haven't found it that way. It's more memorable. Yeah, um, you're based you're based in Melbourne, based in Kew, which is a beautiful place to be. And I, and I yeah. remember coming down to your beautiful studio down there. I can't remember what the, the story around that was. Is it the back of a house? It's like a, like a, it's a barn, isn't it? It's an it's an old barn. It's actually my husband's boat building workshop, an old barn on the river. And we, you know, the studio was getting bigger from sort of starting with a couple of people and growing to um, six and then ten. And we really needed to do something about where we were and this this little barn was here and we live here too and I think that my husband and I talked a lot the kids were quite little then about what we should do and should we rent a you know a warehouse in Collingwood or with with a lot of other architects and in the end chose to um, squeeze into this little barn and it's been one of the most lovely decisions it's just such a nice place to be and the team the team love it and yeah, it's, it's certainly. Yeah, and it, it's I don't know. It's, it's been interesting because of how much everyone wanted to be back here, and how mm. much the team missed it. And mm-hmm. and I suppose on the flip side, because it's essentially a different building at my home, how supportive that was last year. You know how how nice it was to be able to still be here and um, come down. So I kind of work from home. I've been working for home for years. But yeah. we're just lucky in the circumstances of the house. Actually, you know, the the, the whole barn when we did it, and you, I remember when you came here, this whole uh, program of yours designed your life. Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways I, I was sort of a bit apologetic about the barn renovation because it wasn't really very architectural. And so <laughs> the best way I could describe it was that it was a – but it was our best design project because it did design us, you know, that a great life and maybe mm. for me and my family, but also for the team. And that, that's been probably one of my most um, proud design projects, the, mm. the setup of the office and the making it a place that's supportive and, you know, nurtures sort of good talent, but also, you know, we had a new girl start last week and I think, oh, you know, this no, this place is supposed to be good for you. Working here should be good for you, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. Well it feels in, like that. It feels very nurturing when you when you come in there. It feels warm. There's a wonderful atmosphere. Yeah. Are there chickens yeah. chickens running around? There are. I'm just actually <laughs> sitting here looking at them. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I made sure that the dog wasn't here, Vince, so that we didn't get interrupted. But the the chickens are um, much more manageable. Well, I hope, um, it's it's cool to just see. It, it's just kind of really, and your environment is so important for the, you and the team. 
and and that, that comfort and the the ease of that. He's still incredibly professional, working on loads of amazing projects. My God, but you're doing it from yeah. such a beautiful a beautiful spot. So I think COVID's obviously changed that a lot for a lot of people too. You can work on projects all around the world from your from your bedroom or from your house or from your living room or whatever it might be. It really has changed yeah. a lot, hasn't it? But maybe it, you, you're it probably already there with um, that. Well, I think in some ways we sort of were, but I think that the interesting thing about COVID is people are now understanding what maybe the workplace might become and that they don't think, same with universities when all the te- a lot of teaching went online pre-COVID, but they saw the campus as a place to sort of um, where people come to collaborate and, um, and hang out and that's really still a really important thing that the physical, and I feel like maybe this, our office, we'd set it up to be that already. So, so the team wanted to come back, if that makes sense. So that idea that, the, that it supports collaboration, you don't need to work here. And that's obviously the team is sort of, you know, coming and going um, still, which is really nice. But, mm. but that it's, yeah. But don't you guys have like a, a lunch together every day? Yeah, every day. So that's probably they the main cook, um, reason they come back. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing of why it's good for you, then. You know, some of these things come out of purely selfish um, reasons for myself. That, <laughs> you know, uh, otherwise I have a bit of toast and, and um, really a salad's way better for me. So a lot of these things have come from my, my desire to, you know, either do some exercise during the day with our PT or have a nice lunch that's healthy. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that we grow the garden and everyone picks stuff from the garden each day and, and, and cooks a soup or a salad. Is, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's, so cool. it's sort of, a, a, it, it is great, but it's some of it I had keep having to try to bring the bar back down, you know, because the, they're all such good cooks. You know, it got elevated and elevated. So some days I have to cook a really boring soup and that's it, just to <laughs> keep the expectations in check. That's so funny. I thought you meant a bar bar. Like I thought, oh, my uh, God, you got an open bar as well during the day. Oh, no, no. But we've, you know, just, um, there's a, no, that would be nice. But um, <laughs> the, um, no, you know, the, you know, the cooking bar, they're all such good, everyone's such good cooks around so, here. So it becomes intimidating probably. Yeah, like it's, um, I find it intimidating. You know, they're sort of all so skilled. So we, we do eat really well. You have to come for lunch next time you're in town, Vince, so I can, I can, we can feed you. I'm coming this weekend. Um, <laughs> There's I'm, no food on the weekend because oh, I'm in charge of cooking. Okay, you know, the kids forget just it. get a bit of, bit of bread. <laughs> okay, well, I'll come another time. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed this, this series, uh, talking to architects like yourselves around, um, with the, the title Lego to Skyscrapers. And the thinking behind that was just that a lot of people I've talked to um, said that they, in hindsight, realized that they were an architect or a designer from a very young age. And I understand that you were sketching a lot as a, as a kid. Um, did you feel like you were naturally going to become a, a creative person? I, actually, I felt like I enjoyed like later I wasn't my, my dad's an engineer and so his father's an engineer and um, surveyor and so it was more a math science background however from a young age I realized I quite like doing creative things but I wasn't very good at them and I think I was determined to become good at them because I quite liked doing it if that makes any yeah, sense so yeah. 
I um I did some of those subjects in high school and was I couldn't believe that it was considered a subject and work and maybe that's where it came from the the realization that you know some of you know doing something creative could actually be a job mm. and and so I you know after you know many years of doing maths and sciences I ended up applying for architecture even though I was almost about to do engineering. But I think that I don't, I actually have to say that I don't think that I'm a naturally creative person. I'm much more rational. (laughs) And that I had to work really hard to train myself to think in that way. That's interesting. So were you following your father's footsteps about wanting to be an engineer? Well, I was just good at those subjects, you know. It was just a, you know, a kid not knowing, you know, you just do one thing after the other and if you're sort of good at them, you do them. And But I do remember in high school where the subjects didn't align that I wanted to do or something and they said, oh, no, Mel, you can't do this art class and this physics class. And I'm, I sort of said, why not? And they said, because you're the only person that wants to do those, <laughs> that mix in the school and the timetabling problem exist and I said well you know that's what I wanted that's what I'd like to do but they, it was even a little bit like oh but you know but you're really good at math and sciences you know <laughs> you should do that and but in the end they supported me to do all of the subjects and that was obviously a pretty key moment in my you know teenage life where because yeah. um, I don't think I'd be an architect if they hadn't have, um, if we hadn't have pushed and then they hadn't have supported me doing that Actually, I'm back at that school designing them a, um, a STEM centre for young mm-hmm. girls to inspire them to do, you know, math, physics, art. And it's, it's been a lovely thing just in the last few weeks to, to, to be thinking about that project in connection with that. Yeah, it's so cool that you went back there. I mean, did it feel familiar <laughs> to you? It's really weird. I sort of, it's because, you know, you don't go back to high school like I really haven't been back and so you, you really do feel like you're just a young girl again so it was a really weird you know to turn turn back up there and be the architect doing something for them does that make sense it's like nothing happened in between I just went from the the wow. teenager to the architect so it, it has been weird but it's really fun was the career advisor still there that you had to deal with that's trying to teach <laughs> you trying to get you to do engineering uh, I mean, it wasn't even a no. Um, but interestingly, my um, the graphics teacher has gone back there. So oh, wow. yeah, so uh, she had all of the young girls studying our website, which was a lovely, lovely thought. How anyway, cool! How cool is that? I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. when when I I I struggled to get into a art school in the first place. <laughs> I, Did you? I, yeah, I just couldn't get in um, because I didn't really do a huge amount of art before doing that. But it was interesting, once I did my BTEC diploma back in England, I wanted mm-hmm. to go on further and do a degree, and I just couldn't get in. I interviewed for, I don't know, five or six of the main design schools in England, and they all turned really? me down. Yeah, turned me down. Why? Ironic, Why? Ironically, they asked me back about five years later to teach, you know, to do lectures to the, um, the students, which was so funny. <laughs> it's nice when that happens, isn't uh, it? Yeah, it's, I made um, sure they knew that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny. I love it. If yeah. I can get away yeah. with it, anyone can get away with it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I wonder, Vince, that's why you're, you know, you can understand the business, like the other side as well. Like, it's a good thing. I don't know. I feel like for me, 
not necessarily being naturally creative helped me to explain a creative process to people that don't that it doesn't um, come naturally to. Yeah, or that's a good point. You know, like that maybe sometimes I felt like that's one of the things I can. I don't. People have said, "Oh, Mel, when you give a talk, you don't really sound much like an architect." And I used to see that as a bit of a negative at the university because I didn't sound, you know, theoretical enough or mm. something. But um, it's, I think it's been a positive in other ways because it's more accessible, maybe. Yeah, I think that I think you've got a good point there. I know a lot of the the students at my design school; they were incredibly creative. I was actually quite intimidated. I remember going, yeah. "My, God, I can't believe I did this." But I used to go when I went to those interviews. At other design schools, I was I wore a suit and a tie. Can you believe it? <laughs> other people were wearing kind of splash paint denim and uh, you know had mohawks and all this kind of stuff. I was like the the straight guy. I love it. I hope they um they know who you are now. <laughs> I have no idea, but but I think that in terms of like you know it's kind of a bit like storytelling, isn't it? When you when you um when you're working with a client, um I I definitely feel what you said around. Bringing it, making it very accessible, what you're doing. It helps people on the journey, helps people understand the what you're thinking and the benefit of it. And and they're very much, our clients are very much part of that process. It's not something that we di- dictate to them. Um, I think that's really important. It sounds like you have the same approach. Yeah, that, and, and maybe I think the, the way we'll do it is exactly that and that the, the best way you can do it is to not be coming down over the top saying I'm the genius, <laughs> yeah. but actually help bringing people along to buy in to the either the design idea or the you know ambition for the project, and that um, that's generally how we try and do it. Mm. So I think that's I think that's what you're saying as well. Yeah. yeah, I think in the old days it very was very much like you know talking to like down to people were very condescending in a way. This is what I'm going to do, and you either like it or you don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I think those, yeah, I like think those days have changed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that um, that is a big shift for maybe all creative um, yeah. industries, but but definitely architecture. Design and mm. creativity should be shouldn't be intimidating. It should be liberating, and that the power and potential of design is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. To do, to do to do good. So, so yeah, exactly. So what what happened uh, after um, architectural school? Where did you, what happened? Where did you go? Uh, what did I do? I, I had I I think that my I never got the apprenticeship in architecture. I found myself in Malaysia actually, and I because I'd sort of offered to help my final year teacher out to do a little project. Mm-hmm. And I actually was offering to help. She'd been so wonderful, my supervisor, this woman, Sand Helsall, and so generous with her time. And so I remember sort of saying, look, Sand, would you like me to just, you know, can I, can I help you with something? Like I thought I would come and clean her house or, you know, tidy up her office. And she said, oh, I have this little design project actually Mel that my friend in Malaysia has asked if I would help with would you consider doing it so I grabbed my friend Claire Claire Cousins and we whipped up a design and in the end the um, company in Malaysia called us and asked if we would come and present it in Singapore Mm. so I sort of found myself over there and and things like that continues for um, a while for me I you know 
I never really planned my career journey, if that makes sense. I didn't, mm-hmm. wasn't, um, I sort of, more things would get, opportunities would turn up and I'd go, oh, that sounds like fun. And yeah. maybe I'd put my head down and try and do a good job. And, you know, I had a series of sort of things like that happen where I, you know, ended up in London as well doing sort of hotels through Europe in a similar way. So mm. I, I suppose I felt like more I got rather than the apprenticeship and I got more thrown in the deep end. Maybe I sounded like I knew more than I did. It sounds like you so were I, open to opportunities. Did you say no to things as well or did you say yes to everything? No, I think I mostly said yes to things. I think I couldn't have said yes to everything, but um, but anything that sounded good, I was going to have a go at. So that was really what I did. Spent my when do you finish uni? I can't even remember anymore. It must have been my thirties doing that. Is that yeah, yeah? No, twenties. <laughs> I've forgotten what age you finished then. This is Mel, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> on the yeah, phone. Yeah, I'm having um, a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I have those often. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Um, no, I, yeah. I, I talk about that too. And in, in my book, uh, Design Your Life, I, I talked yeah. about saying yes because I just find it so empowering. Uh, potential and opportunities that come your way, and saying yes to them mm. leads to new experiences and, and challenging yourself and stepping outside of your comfort zone, etc. I mean, absolutely, and yeah, and I think sometimes you don't know. Like I've said that to younger. Um, sort of students or graduates, that sometimes it's not the thing that you're saying yes to because it's, you actually don't know where all those other things lead. And I, I totally agree with you on that. And that's how I spent, I think, my early career and even starting the business. It was just saying yes to everything and having a go and trying to make it the best outcome I could mm. was certainly... And actually, though, now, I don't know about you, Vince, but my, now my struggle is when you're so in the habit of that, Mm-hmm. and you start to do okay, how do you then start to learn to say no more? <laughs> and that's probably been the, the the thing I've been probably trying to do better yeah. in the late, you know, more recent years. Just you can't do everything, actually. What, what I've found is for me that's the kind of t- that's the time when you, you grow as, as an organisation and grow as a team. I've just taken on more people to deal with the things I'm saying yes to. Often those are things that are uh, charity projects too. They don't have a lot of money, but they're they're doing good in the world. And so we invest also in things that are not just a financial return, but um, you know, doing good and and having a positive contribution to various outcomes. You know, a lot of business coaches say how important it is to say no, and they're really proud of saying no, as if you're in mm. control. I, I just find <laughs> I just I couldn't imagine living my life to date. By saying no, I just don't think I would have had any any anywhere near the experiences that I've managed to kind of come across. Even the ones that have been a disaster, because they yeah. they don't always turn out well. You know, there's going to yeah. be sometimes sometimes things you say yes to actually take you into a an abyss or a, a situation that's not so good. Uh, luckily, that's less of those than um, than than, than, than more. Than more. And, yeah. Um, the- the problem with architecture is some, I totally agree with you. The only thing I'll say is the problem with architecture is it takes a really long time to make a building and sometimes yes. if you say yes and it's, a, it's not going to be good, it's a long time. That's true, um, actually. It's a, it's a, um, 
it, you know, but but I I I do I I agree. I think um, the the no thing doesn't come naturally to me, and I um, my problem is probably more that you. Sorry, Vince. Was this the counselling session? I just no. I, was just, um, I just had a visual. That's weird. You say that. I had a visual of you lying on an Eames lounge like a couch. Uh, do you do you go yeah, to? Your, we do, can, yeah, go on. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'll try and um, um, tone it down. But I was. Um, I, can't, I can't even remember what I was saying anymore. But, but uh, that's all right. But I just realised I was probably oversharing. Um, well, do no, the thing, mm-hmm. the thing I was saying about the yes and the no, I totally agree with you. The only thing I've struggled with is just being able to do all of the things. And what I'll often do is I sit with my blinkers on on the project and go, we've got to do this. And I'm sure you're the same because mm. I feel so enthusiastic and optimistic about the thing. Yeah. And I think sometimes my optimism and enthusiasm, you know, gets, it gets blinkers. And it's difficult to to be like that in the context of all the other things I said yes to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's probably everyone's struggle and that's a nice struggle to have. I think that happens where you say yes to things like judging awards or doing a talk or a podcast and then <laughs> a project and then it's kind of, it looks like it's further out and then all of a sudden they all hit at the same time and you go, oh my God, why did I say yes to this? Especially yeah, yeah. re-recording a podcast if someone hasn't pressed the record <laughs> button, which we, of course we never do. You know, no, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Can't imagine it. Yeah. Can't imagine it. Um, mm. So, how, how do you think the the influence of of working in, uh, you know, across Europe and Southeast Asia has had on you as a as a person and as a, a, a as your business as well? I think before I started this business, I worked on larger you know, kind of city-making type projects. And so probably the biggest influence, aside from visiting great cities and seeing great architecture, which is a massive thing, but in terms of the actual work experience of being and working in other places, a lot of it was defined around large projects at the sort of big city scale. And so what happened when I started this um, practice, you know, you only get a kitchen and a bathroom initially. Mm -hmm. So, you know... um, it was really, um, and while we, you know, once we graduated to sort of the living room and the, you know, the bit in the backyard, and then finally we would do a little house that happened to have a bit of street frontage. Mm-hmm. In some ways, for me, thinking about because of those that experience doing the big projects, it's like the little house to me must work on the scale of the big project as well. So That's it, you know, there's the responsibility for it to be part of the city and the suburb and the street and I suppose that's where the practice has grown and maybe it's because of that sensibility that even though the projects at the start of the business were, were quite were small and the you know opportunities were, were quite um, tiny and the impact on the city was, was minuscule, because of that sensibility I think you could imagine how that can scale up to the scale of the city so that you know a very early project I was most excited just about a little seat on a back lane with a spot for a plant. Mm. And to me, that was just really my favourite bit of the project. And, mm. um, you know, interestingly now, the project with, you know, that we talked about before, the um, Loftus Lane project, you know, there's a spot to sit on a lane and it's 
um, a totally different scale. But I think the sensibility and the um, the thinking is the same thing. It's just um, you know scaled up. So that's I mean that was a long answer to your question, but mm. my feeling is that the kind of um, my background of doing those projects. Um, got pushed into the little houses, and that's how we probably ended up doing these larger projects. And your your work is highly awarded. Um, <laughs> recently, Eight Yard House, which I absolutely love. I want to live in it. Um, oh, thanks, Vince. Is, I want to live in it too. We we try to offer to our clients oh, to really? look after it when they're away. <laughs> Any of our houses, yeah. Oh my yeah. god! And it's been shortlisted for a residential architectural award, uh, Victorian Architecture Awards. Has it has it won, or is it, it, it still yet to know? No, we don't know yet. Okay. It's um it's it's um it's it's wonderful. It's so hard in the houses to get on the shortlist. It's mm. it's a you know there's such a competitive category in Victoria and New South Wales is the same. Yeah. Um. So it's wonderful to just get on that list, and who knows what happens after their events. I've we've been lucky enough to have a few go in over the years, and sometimes. It happens, and but I think just being recognised even at that level is is really nice. Yeah, it's so um, cool, so cool. Yeah, and uh, well yeah. deserved. It'd be interesting to kind yeah. of that you came back from overseas. I wonder if you hadn't done that. What what was what made you decide to come back to Australia? Always come back. I actually think I'm a bit of a homebody. I I really like being around my you know sort of extended family and friends. So I've always travelled but I've always come come back to Melbourne. I love mm. the city, love mm. living here. Um and can't quite imagine living anywhere else. So I I'm a bit of a I think I'm a bit of a wuss actually. <laughs> I quite, I, you know, I quite quite like to go out in the world but but coming back is a lovely thing. And Melbourne's such a great design community there's a, yeah. there's a lot of wonderful opportunity here for a small architecture business mm-hmm. um, plus you know you can have a have only got a good life in Australia particularly now it's you know absolutely um, you know you're living in what's always comes like first or second in the most livable city in the world yeah I'm not sure what the criteria are but it, it seems like a nice place so you know <laughs> um, it's um in terms of architecture, it's it's really there is a really great collegiate group of architects of my generation here, and the the one I think that's um, the same in Sydney and and all over Australia now. It's, it's been some of those awards things. Actually, the best bit that comes out of them is going to the awards night and hanging out with all the other um, great architects from all over Australia and. It, everyone's competing, but gee, everyone's supportive and mm. and um, and really wonderful. So it's a it's a kind of really fun place industry to work in. You know, yeah. I think it, it's just lots of fun. I've, I've been coming well originally before moving to Australia eighteen years ago. I was coming to Australia for ten years prior, and I was just to Melbourne specifically, and just was blown away by the residential architecture in Melbourne. Um, unlike mm. any other place I've been to in the world. And, and, and it's still, what's interesting is that it's not only there's the architecture there, but it's the clients, the, the, the families, et cetera, are commissioning modern architecture with confidence and mm. pushing boundaries, et cetera. And I, I, I didn't see that in Sydney as much. It's, be, it's kind of coming 
now I think much more, maybe they're um, getting more confidence in architecture, commissioning architecture here. Yeah, um, but, right. Mel- but Melbourne still is like just some incredible um, homes and buildings are coming out um, con- continuously. I wonder yeah, why, why, um, why that is. Why was it more confident um, in its architecture? I don't know. I don't. I would be. Um, I couldn't say that being from Melbourne. So, um, and and I have to say, you know, I think that um, some of my favourite architects are from from up in Sydney and Queensland. But but there is. I don't, I, I've always wondered if Melbourne has to work harder. Mm. You know that there's there's not the necessarily the terrain or the amazing views, so it maybe has to work a bit harder um, to to make good places or buildings. And it, if it's that, that's a nice thing. I think I think it's that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you might know. Well, I, I don't, I don't, about. I don't know. I just, I just kind of think that there's, there must be the. I mean, any good design, no matter whether it's architecture or brand or whatever it might be, is is comes down to the person commissioning it who has trust or has made a specific choice to work with a design mm. architect and then they have trust mm. in that person to allow them to fulfill the brief yeah. and rather than yeah. kind of restrict and control and doubt. I think there's a big difference. And I, I do, I do yeah. think that, you know, none of these amazing houses and buildings in, in, in Melbourne or anywhere would exist without having a very a good client. Amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing I do see more and more, that how much better our projects are when the client's just right. You know, just the right amount of um, belief and challenge and support, if that makes sense. Mm. And um, that's certainly happening. But, you know, interestingly, Vince, we have, I agree, like we've been given wonderful opportunities on houses in Melbourne and that's been fantastic and there's a great diversity of architecture here so it means that there's a lot of opportunity to respond in different ways. Mm-hmm. But the, we've actually been given, been given way more opportunity in Sydney of late mm. and and I think that's also the same as a lot of emerging architects because there's been a real push from the city of Sydney to um, make sure that there is a diversity coming through and that the next generation of architects are getting the opportunities that might not necessarily be given to them if it was just up to a developer and they were assessing their risk. And and so we, you know, for years after all these houses, I just wished we would do a public toilet. You know, I thought surely someone could just engage us to do a small public building down here. And, um, you know, I thought a public toilet would be perfect, but um, we, we could, I could, haven't got one yet, but but instead we got given, you know, offered this large project at Circular Key with AMP, which is kind of amazing, and got that opportunity came out of the City of Sydney Design Excellence Program and AMP giving us a go. So that was a kind of amazing thing to happen and to be finished just this year. Yeah, I mean, it's an it's amazing project. We're, we're fortunate enough to be on working with AMP Capital, uh, I think it's like the last eight eight years on the, the branding and creating key quarter, uh, the messaging, and now we're doing the signage and the, all the kind of cloud mm. around each of the developments. So that's how we met. But it's yeah. quite, quite incredible um, and project. And, and, and I agree what you're saying around um, Sydney, the uh, C- city of Sydney and 
you know, individuals are commissioning Melbourne, Melbourne architects and global architects too, which is interesting. To yeah, absolutely. Maybe Melbourne was a testing ground and uh, great things have been done there. I was looking at your website the other day and, and I, I, I couldn't help but kind of, uh, there's a message on there that was resonated with me, which was, every project is an opportunity to contribute in a positive and generous way to the social and built fabric of our cities. And I guess kind of for me, this is kind of like why I'm in business too, which is design a better world and helping people yeah. and businesses and the planet. Um, can you unpack that for, for me a bit? Uh, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to. Um, yeah. to positive and generous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I do remember it. I do remember it. I Look, I think that, that um, in, it's back to that idea of a thief on a lane, isn't it? And um, it's that really, uh, I've been thinking about it recently as well, that you sort of essentially a project gets a budget and there's a bucket, I suppose, of money that you're able to spend. And um, I think that our job as architects is to spend it well, if that makes sense, for on behalf of our client. And that means for them, but also for the city, and that we have a client, but we also have another client, which is the which is everyone else, you know, that you put the building um, next to or um, mm. that gets to walk past it. And mm. so I think that there's a place for, you know, positive and generous. So I, and maybe this is a response as well, Vince, against, you know, doing the big icon building. It's not, hopefully that language makes it clear that we're not here for the big singular architectural gesture that's more about it as a as an object but that what we're hoping to create is good places for people that mm. that um and cities mm. so, is that unpacked enough is yeah that, yeah no it what, is, do you, what do you think no i, yeah. I, was, just, I was just interested too because because you you were working on large-scale projects uh around the world prior to coming back and setting up your own firm right and then, and then when you yeah. came back, you were working on the smaller residential projects to begin with, and mm. and your firm has grown over time to being doing big city making city making projects um, across mm. civic, education, residential, and commercial, etc. Mm. I wonder what would happen if you'd came back from your overseas experience, gone straight into those larger scale projects, and not done those small ones to begin with. What yeah, the, what I the mean, difference I think- would have been. Well, I think you're spot on with that idea before about testing things and I don't really know, but certainly the wonderful thing about the houses with our brave clients is that they are a place to test things and, you know, we really, I I think, have, you know, treated it almost like our a testing ground for ideas, for materials, you know, I'd never designed a brick building before. We did this little brick, you know, sort of brick brick sort of backyard studio garage and um, and I suppose though the houses were a place where actually where we tested lots of things and, and actually the houses are really complicated mm. and um, compared to a large building, you know, it, it would be easy to think that it was easier, but actually they're kind of, you know, they're quite complicated little things. I don't know what we would have done if we came back and did big things, but but <laughs> the the we I love doing the houses and we we would like to keep doing them because yeah. I see that that is a uh, there is a really um, I love the relationship with the clients 
and, you know, if picked well, where it's a good fit for both, it's a really, um, it's a really wonderful experience making a home for people. And so we, 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 you know, the team here, they love doing them as well. It's a great way to train young staff as well, young, young graduates, because you have to go through the whole process mm-hmm. of being on site and building. And so they've, they've been really an important part of the practice. And I can see how those, like just like the seat thing, you know, we'll just test something with materials or, you know, use of, I don't know, brick or expanded mesh or timber. And, you know, you can sort of, I could show you a few projects where you can see that then get scaled up to another project. And it was really the same thing, just mm. a different different scale. So Yes, it's interesting what you're saying. Initially you said like uh, you get a bucket of money. <laughs> I was just thinking, uh-huh. is it ever enough or is it always a substantial <laughs> bucket of money to allow, to allow you to play and, and kind of experiment with different mm. materials and things? It's never enough. Since. Is it never? Um, no, it is. It look, it is actually. And but <laughs> I, I, I um, I, oh, well, budget is such a tricky thing with building. It is. It is always tricky. It is. I think. And earlier, it, the, the hardest thing in the early days is that really someone's coming to you because they want an extra bedroom and a kitchen, mm-hmm. and that's it. They didn't really want architecture. They just mm. wanted, and so. I think being careful with how you spend it is important. It's what's the what's more important anyway. So I, it sounds horrible to talk about it like a bucket of money, but it's like I say it more like you you know one should take care with the choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, but I think every single project. I had a. Um, meeting just yesterday and I was trying to say to the client, you know, because everyone's obviously concerned about budget and, I, you know, just on a house, straight down the line, I said, well, look, you know, at the end of the day, you've got, uh, you want a nice house and you've come to a, an architect that you sort of like because you, cause you think they design nice houses, right? And so we're all sitting at, everyone at the table is wanting, you know, something beautiful and amazing. And so none of us there are going oh, you know, let's make it cheap, <laughs> you know. Mm. And and so we can't, we have a process and we're constantly checking and we're constantly, you know, reviewing and cutting it out and so we'll design it and then we'll trim it back, design, trim. Um, but, but I think my point to the client is it's like, you know, of course it goes over every time. Everyone, you know, we all, we're good at designing nice things and you want a nice thing and so it's easy for it to, you know, expand but the, the challenge is how you solve budget problems well and I think that's a massive uh, skill actually mm. and it's, it's like the not giving up I think it would be easy to go oh you know we didn't have enough money to do this and I think the better architects would go right we've got a budget problem how do we keep this project amazing and still trim out the money we need to trim out and that, I think, is the bit where the hard work really begins and the, where you need every creative bone. I totally agree with you. Um, thank you for saying that. I feel the same mm. way. It's often when people say, oh, there's not enough money, not enough time, clients mm. are difficult. That's where you can kick in and actually go, you know what, I'm not going to take this. Uh, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to, not, not, not compromise in a selfish way, 
but I want to help mm. help make these ideas come to life. We'll make this even better by having these yeah. parameters or these restrictions potentially. The design yeah. is so powerful and has so yeah. much potential. And you know, I, I find a lot of time the restrictions actually are what make you kick into gear and think differently and think in a more clever way or push other people harder. And uh, yeah, and and everyone's yeah. always amazed by what comes out of that. Totally agree. I think we. Um we had the thing you were reading before, but we have in that bit of text on our website that we solve problems with optimism. Mm. And to me, that is this idea, or we called it, you know, optimistic problem solving. And because mm. that's how I kind of see design, that one can do exactly what you're saying, oh, you know, this is too hard. And I think that we go, all right, that's tricky. What can we do better? And, mm. and I think that's often the difference between, um, a, a, you know, an okay project and a great one, hopefully. Mm. I, I, I totally agree with that, Mel. On my Instagram page, I, I think I say um, uh, optimistic by design. And, and I, feel, right. I, I personally feel like I was born that way. I just feel like I was born optimistic. Thankfully, I was born into a world and a family that felt the same way, encouraged that. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. just like every day has potential every day is new it's fresh yeah there's a there's yeah. time for you there's time for you to do something something good's going to come out of today if you put your uh, positivity into that and your optimism yeah optimism yeah. goes a long yeah. way a long long way it does <laughs> it does absolutely yeah but, um, so, well i'm glad that you mm. you were that way as well it's good what was it? How did you learn to manage a team? Because I've, I've found in the early days it was incredibly hard for me to ha even work with an assistant, even though they were, I brought them on to help me. Um, mm. I couldn't. I didn't manage it for a while. Uh, now I've learned over time how to do it. But did you? Did that come naturally for you, working with other people? Uh, yeah, I think um, that's a good question. I I think I am a natural like that. Uh, I'm a good delegator, but it didn't, I agree with you, it didn't, it took, it's taken quite a few years to learn how to do that. And I think the, but I did very quickly employ a student, like almost as soon as, I think I'm, my bigger problem Vince, is I'm a bit impatient. And so I think I want, I sit there, if I'm doing some really laborious, boring task, I can't, I'm not one of those people that can sit there and enjoy the zen of it. I just yeah. mostly go, shit, surely someone else can do this so I can get on with the bit I want to do. And so I suppose I very quickly go, right, there's, maybe I look for efficiencies really quickly or one could say I'm a little bit lazy so I'm quickly trying to work out how one could do something a bit smarter. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that natural inclination means I'm quite a good delegator and I suppose – but it took years to try and learn that actually the most important thing is delegating first and then doing the thing I need to do. Otherwise, everyone sits around, don't they, waiting for you. So Yeah, but people people are still able to grow in your team, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, that's, I mean, that's the thing. That, I mean, that, yeah, you made a good point. That the, uh, over the years we've employed students and the wonderful thing is that they've started as students and a lot of them are still here. You know, and they're the ones, they're the associates running jobs now. So Fantastic. the thing, yeah, so I think the thing, selfish delegating, I like to think I'm a good teacher 
or trainer and that, you know, the, the guys that come here are, um, are getting, we keep everyone really involved in, in all of the projects. So um, it's not kind of off you go over there and do one thing. It's, mm. it's I really try and um, maybe it comes from teaching at university or I actually, once I thought I would become a teacher because I, I quite like doing it. Mm. So I, I, I enjoy that. And the team, so we've, I suppose the team, what's happened with the team as well is that from being a very small practice that could only afford students or, you know, recent graduates, what we've been able to do is keep a lot of those guys here mm. and train them up to be, you know, the, the sort of next leaders, if that makes sense. Yeah, and absolutely. so I, I suppose we're doing something right. And that is absolutely part of my business plan, whether it will work, I probably need to talk to you in 10 years time, but, <laughs> but as in, as in more, you know, um, um, attract a good, a good team, train them really well, give them opportunity um, and a great place to work and hopefully they'll stay. So mm. sort of it's mostly working. You know, there's this, you know, young girl, Pay, who's been here since second year architecture school and she's just about to become a registered architect and Fantastic. she's running some jobs on site and, you oh. know, it's a, it's a lovely thing. Yeah. That is so cool. I, I, I find that it's such a privilege to be able to employ people. Um, and give people help people uh, along their way and, and help them have opportunities in a situation environment for them to thrive. Uh, we don't do lunches yeah. every day, but maybe we should. <laughs> um, but I do think it's just, as I said, it just makes you feel so good to see people evolve from you know very young juniors to design leads, design directors, etc., and count service, etc. Just seeing seeing the team evolve over time, I, it just really makes me feel incredibly proud of it's not just about doing the work i mean obviously there's a lot of time and pressure and mm. and, and running a business but there's something really fulfilling uh, and seeing other people grow and and seeing, yeah, seeing their contribution to a project too which is like a different perspective on it um bringing different flavors to the mix absolutely and i mean um yeah i, I totally agree and i think that idea of you know i was talking to you before about the sort of the barn design, but actually it was the office design that I mean, which means not just the physical place, but the the way we work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that, totally. You know, that the young guys feel really part of it and that that's a great place to be and a, that they see it as a good place to work is yeah. something I'm really proud of. It's not a design project, but it's a, probably makes a greater impact in some ways than one house. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Mm, um, um, just, just was going to talk about back to um, Key Quarter uh, in Sydney, because I remember when we talked the other day, you mentioned that it was quite a out-of-the-blue opportunity for you and you had to pitch for it and probably didn't think you were going to win it and you won it. Um, it was a similar thing for us when we started off in that project because it is two blocks uh, behind Circular Key, which is one of the most important uh, harbour points of uh, of Sydney that had kind of in a way had, had been neglected over time it was a beautiful kind of v- um, Venetian looking place before they tore all the beautiful old buildings mm. down um, mm. but but it's 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 quite I, I personally and the team love working on projects which are 
transforming the city for the better um, by opening it up and designing in a way where for communities, for businesses, for industry, for people to enjoy and thrive in. It's a bit like our own studio spaces, right? But on a larger scale, it's designing yeah. a place that's that's going to work for a whole array of people. How did that come about for you for that project? How did we get the project or just yeah. how did we um, design it? I mean, you know, before when you were saying, saying yes to things, I think I was just asked to do a really tiny talk in Sydney and got on the radar, actually, ah. of um, some important people at the City of Sydney. And I even remember... Vince saying yes to that talk and thinking I was really busy or my kids were little and I thought, why am I doing this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, it, you know, it seemed like a thing that one should say yes to and, you know, the, refer to our previous discussion. But like, and so we got on the radar and then we were asked and multiple practices were asked, mm-hmm. smaller emerging practices, so probably similar, but I felt like we were definitely one of the smaller ones. And I... Um, decided I was not going to give them any reason within my power to not give us the job because it <laughs> seems like too great an opportunity. So we tried to put a really fantastic submission together for yeah. it. But, you know, when I got a phone call from AMP, I, I thought they were ringing to sell me insurance. <laughs> 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 so it was a kind of, you know, really? You know, no, tell them we don't want anything. But um, yeah. any, anyway, so it, it was... It was certainly, um, but once I felt like we were in the mix, I thought, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to have a go at this. I don't know if it's sort of, um, if it's a, I find myself over the years often pointing out, even though I'm very optimistic, I'd point out the problems or I'd point out the um, the downside or I'm aware of it. Like I do that when awards juries visit our project, I sort of, you know, might play down my what we did or play it down or see the bit that's not quite right mm. or not sometimes. And I remember going to the interview and I did a little, a little coax with myself. I was like, Mel, just go in there and act like you can do it. So yeah. I did. And yeah. And, yeah. You, and you pulled it off. Well done. It's a yeah, good... the building looks, it looks pretty good. We're really excited about it. Yeah. It's um, eight Loftus Street, right? Uh, eight eight mm, story yeah. building. 31 apartments. Yeah. I wish I'd bought one. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> they sold in two yeah. hours, which is incredible. Yeah, they did. I think um, I think our building, I'm told our building sold first in, in an hour, but, you know, that might be hearsay. So, <laughs> I you reckon know. 20 minutes um, at least. Yeah. It's like, it was, at least. Yeah. Yeah, look, it, it's there. The whole thing was a fantastic project. Uh, you know, doing it for ourselves and that opportunity, but also for the protest with the other architects. You know, it was a, a pretty wonderful experience because we really went along to every meeting together for the first year with all the architects, the clients, you know, and the consultant team all at the table together for many, many meetings. Yeah. And so you got to see really this wonderful insight into how other practices work as well, mm. you know, Give, being, you know, because Sylvester Fuller and SAB were designing buildings um, for the same client on a different site, but right next to us. So it was really, you know, interesting to see what they did, and and we've we've obviously sort of through that process was built a really strong friendship with, with those guys. Yeah, it was cool. We actually designed the display suite for for both of them. 
which took months and months. <laughs> it was sold in <laughs> an hour and two hours. It was quite. It was quite sad to see that not being open uh, for longer than what it was. But but yeah, it's it um, yeah, and it's um. Did it's, you do two got a job then? Yeah, possibly. Is that on well, you no, or is that no, the combination? No. no, the team <laughs> the team did, and you and you did, and SJB yeah. did as well, and it was just spectacular. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that you know, again, it comes back to an incredible client. I mean, AMP Capital were incredible, and still are a, a great client of ours, and and we've loved working with them. And it's that yeah. they they have only demanded the best um, as well. They've not compromised anywhere anywhere along the yeah. process, which has been incredible, especially for a long term project. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that they've you know. Um, They've definitely supported that, supported and pushed us along the whole way, and mm. and it was really nice that that they had an event last week in Sydney, mm. and you know the the, the design director and um, design manager that were there at the start, you know we all had a drink together, and mm. it's it's pretty you know wonderful to 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 be standing around together enjoying the thing. That, that we've created and there's a lot of people that come and go I think in a big long building project like a lot of people come into the project and leave but you know we've been sort of sitting there with those people since 2014 um, which is which is pretty fantastic yeah. really no it's a long a very long term mm. project and there'll be positive repercussions from that you'll, you'll get other work you probably already have got other work from here on the back of that yeah yeah it's been I, I, I sort of thought that we'd need to build it to start getting bigger work, you know, on top of it. But it was interesting because we were just doing it and it was already, you know, a project that was going to happen. It helped us certainly start getting other work down here in Melbourne as well. So we're doing a, a church, two churches um, and, you know, some university and educational projects. And I, I do think that doing that project has um, given us that kind of stepping stone to these next, you know, group of projects we're working on, and and really, you know, like my answer is, well, we're doing, you know, it's, this is a pretty serious project in Circular Key, so you can trust us with a small um, sports pavilion or something, whatever it is, you know, mm. down here, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, how, how do you make yeah. it? Um, you mentioned before you got kids. I don't know what age they are. What what age are they? Yeah, they're twelve and nine. Two oh. two girls. Cute. And <laughs> how do you make your, how do you balance your work with your personal life? The benefit, the one, the, the one choice we made was to have the office here, which has been fantastic. And mm. I think one of the things that I didn't talk about um, earlier, which I was about to, that I felt like I was going on a bit, but <laughs> the, my husband works in the practice as well. And he, he actually does a lot of the detailing. So when we, when we started the business. I had all these young graduates, and actually, one of the reasons they're so well trained is also because of him. Mm-hmm. But but Rob does a lot of the kids' stuff, which so I'm very very lucky. I was thinking when we were talking about saying yes and saying no and things like that. That's been probably the only times in my life where I have had to try and say no more often. And until then, I had no idea of saying no. But it was really having kids that made me realise that maybe some women were fed this dream that you could do everything. And you can, but you have to give a few things up as well. Mm. And, 
you know, that, so that was the realisation for me, I think, that I, I couldn't do all of those things. So sometimes I have to say no so I can say yes to the kids, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. And and, and I, the thing I'm probably more aware of at the minute is that that's something really worth defending, mm, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, so the... So the yeses, so that's that's what we do. But the kids, you know, they wander down here after school, and and um, they're supposed to look after the chickens and things like that. So they're, <laughs> I love it because they're around and they mm. see work. You know, they they don't have a parent parents that go off and disappear, but so they kind of they understand what we do, and you know, it's nice to have two young girls, and they, you know, heard them playing when they were tiny. And my, I heard them playing mums and dads, you know, like when they're really little. And my, I heard my um, them saying, "I'm, I'm going to be the mum. I'm going to the meeting." <laughs> and, and and I kind of went, "Oh yeah, I don't need to kind of um, educate them that much." And and then my youngest, who's um, said to me, "Mum, I can't wait to be a mum one day." This is another Aww. conversation, and I said, oh, "I said, oh, that's." So nice, Ella. Why, you know, why is that? You know, if you want to have babies, and she goes, "No, I just want to be the boss." Whoa! <laughs> you have taught her well. Oh, I didn't mean it, but um, so anyway, I know that was a question on balance, but I think we're just <laughs> we're just we're just working on it, and I think trying to not feel bad. I think it's easy to feel bad if you're not, you know doing all the things mm. so trying to let, let yourself off the hook a little bit because maybe balance is a ridiculous question that you're just yeah. doing all the things and fitting them in but you make any mm. making it work in a positive way yeah mm. i and do i one of the things i do vince is i really do <clears throat> um i um i think i heard someone on one of your talks talk about not needing holidays and i'm sort of the total opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> i I love a holiday and mm. um, love doing things with the kids. So I kind of book them out well in advance, well before I realise how busy and stressed it's going to make me to go away. But I'm sort of obsessed with the next um, the next adventure, oh, family that's, adventure. That's, and that helps. I, I really love that. That's really cool. And what do you do for your, your, your well-being? That's a good question. Oh, Should we back nothing. to the counselling oh. session? <laughs> no, but do you, do you exercise? Do you do you walk? I do. do you, I do. What do you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do quite a lot of exercise actually, um, mm. and but I eat and drink a lot, so you couldn't tell from looking at me. <laughs> but 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 um but but the um I think the exercise is just so important. I had a terrible back for years, so we do that's but that's where I organized the PT trainer as well. So we've had a office PT um, trainer come every Monday lunch for it must be eight years now. Mm. And and that's sort of out of that me going, How do I fit I can't fit all these things in and so I'm really trying to make sure those things happen and not let them slide. So mm. we do a lot of that. I try not to work long hours um, as well. And I think kids are actually really good for helping you to do that because I think it's easy to let a, an exciting, fun career take over your life, yeah. and that's wonderful that you don't find it like work, you know. Mm. So I've loved that about architecture, but I think that it's also healthy to, you know, do other things. And yeah. so the, the kids... Um, stuff. I think the kids are good for 
um, well-being because they make you stop and, um, yeah. We had um, Zaha Did Architects uh, director Jean-Luc Rakana on, on a show a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned your name. And, um, oh, that's nice. Have you worked with him on any projects or is it top secret? We did a project together mm-hmm. and that was really fun. It was really um, a, a great thing a great thing to do. Uh, um, it was a project in Sydney and we were um, on, their, on their team. So, yeah, what a nice thing to do, you know. Like I thought I was just starting a tiny little practice in Melbourne, but instead I'm able to offer my team a chance to, you know, work with, Zaha Hadid's office, which Incredible. is kind of extraordinary. Yeah, it's extraordinary, and and so you know that was that was a wonderful thing. We might maybe we'll do something again, but that was interesting because you know we went along going, oh, we're just a little practice. We're going to be quiet, and you know you go into those collaborations thinking, what's your role? I mm. suppose, and yeah. and you know I said to my team, no, no, we're here. If you don't like what they're doing, or you don't think it's a good idea. We're not doing anyone any favours by not saying that. And so I think, um, I don't know if, um, if, if um, this would be said by them, but, but, but we would often speak up and, and just have a crack at stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I thought, oh, they just think it's terrible, but then they would use it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. That's so really cool. It was, yeah, it was fun. Um, mm-hmm. What's next for you? Do you have any dream projects you're working on at the moment? I'm always feeling very passionate about the next powers of sense. I just love them. They're like our little precious babies, and mm-hmm. that's really fun. And but the other ones, what about what else? Was you know the school? I think I told you about the school. Yeah. I'm really excited about doing that project, and there's a couple with them, mm-hmm. and the churches. The, um, there's a couple of um, churches that we're doing, so they're kind of the, the next thing we're. Um, hopefully going to get one on site this year mm. um, and, and build that one. It's a Coptic Orthodox church down in, in Kensington here and mm. that one will be really fun. And, I, you know, I'm not actually a religious person, but what I love about the churches is they're kind of really just good public community places, you know, places for gathering. And yeah. if you can think about them, that, someone asked me, maybe it was you previously, but, you know, how do you design a church? And it, to me, it's just good places for people to gather. So, um, so those ones are really excited about. But, you know, I'm on the, the, um, the kid project. My daughter just told me she got 90% in her math test and I helped her study all day on Sunday. Oh so God. I'm really pr- proud of that right now, Vince. There's an engineer <laughs> in the making, I think. Well, well actually, she was... She was doing really badly, and I was like, you can't do badly in math. You're my daughter. So <laughs> um, anyway, I, I pulled out my old, you know, wow, geometry well head. But, but anyway, so they're, they're, well it's nice to concentrate on, on the, the kids a bit as well. They're turning into sort of wonderful young people that, that are really exciting to watch, just Fantastic. like, just like our, our projects, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nurturing yeah. person. Do you think? Do you think you've, <laughs> you think you've designed your life, Mel? I'm trying. I think it's a work in progress, and it, isn't it? It's, I, I, I think I'm constantly, maybe through optimism, been thinking mm-hmm. that things could could be improved. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's like, and maybe that's a slightly weird way to say something that, that's sort of like a idea of being optimistic but it's like 
you know, be, feeling like you could always make things a bit better than they are. Mm. So that's the constant design life project. Well, everything is designed, isn't it? Everything's man-made or human-made is designed. Mm. I thought it was quite yeah. interesting what yeah. you said before because you we were talking about being optimistic and you said that, but you always look at uh, what could go wrong. It's funny because I, I get that. I'm very, very optimistic, but I always always go straight into the worst case scenario. Well, how could this get screwed up? How could this not work? How can it be wrong? Yeah. I, wonder yeah. what that, I wonder what that is because it sounds like, you know, being, some people might think that's just being negative. In fact, people say to me, oh my God, you're so negative about this. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were optimistic mm. and positive going, well, I am, I'm, but I'm gonna, I want to make sure that it's actually going to be a success, not just... Um, being kind of blindly optimistic about it and positive about it. Yeah, it was funny. I was thinking the same thing because I was, I was, we were talking about being optimistic, and I was trying to think, how do I tell Vince that I actually can often sound really negative and really, you know, down, like, oh, you know, you've got to do that, you've got to do that, you've got to do that. And I think it's because it's like this re- relentless ambition to try and make it work, the thing, you know, because mm. you believe in it, isn't it? And that um, maybe you know, I don't know what it is, but I think it's a um, an interesting observation that that you could be optimistic and sound negative at the same time. Because I don't <laughs> think I'm pessimistic, but, you know, um, yeah. yeah, it's looking for all the things. And yeah. But I think that's also an art, like architects are trained to look for defects. Yes. You know, like all of our training is to, um, go right. Here's a thing. What can you improve? Really, so you kind of get trained to be dissatisfied with the thing that's not finished. Because yeah, there's so much at stake, isn't there? Every time, maybe, yeah, mm. yeah. How can people look at your work? Where where's their best go? Uh, I mean, I think the website. Um, so mm. studiobright.com.au. Um, and, what, yeah. and what's your Instagram? Is it un- same same name? Studio underscore underscore bright. Okay, cool. But, you know, it's the best we can do then. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Um, Mel, it's been so yeah. so nice catching up with you. I, I really enjoy our conversations, and, I, and and thank you for being so open and, and optimistic in, in our conversations. No worries, Vince. It's, um, thanks for the um, counselling session as well. It was, um, I feel I feel really good about going forward in the day. So and, and and I I think round two was we we've improved. So I think, I think, I think it's we a have good outcomes. Yeah, 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 I think we have. Yeah. All right, Mel. Wonderful. Take care. Thanks, Vince. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Be sure to tune in next week's episode, where I'll be catching up with my good friend Nicholas Criticus, the creative director of Woolworth South Africa Store Design and consultant to David Jones Australia. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.